Smith will keep it. He dives for the end zone. He's got a touchdown. Kansas City in one of the greatest comebacks in Chiefs kingdom history. It's time. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Car out of the shotgun. Looks left. Throws a lob for Michael Crabtree. Caught it. He caught it. He caught it. The Raiders have the lead. <laughs> It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I needed that. Starting to feel like football now. Hey, that was a good start. Hey, that was a good start. We're going to finish for you, all right? The doctor is now in. And a happy Friday to you. We are live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. The T.C. Martin Show coming your way again on a NFL playoff football Friday. Best bets coming your way a little bit later on next hour, so hang tight for that. Marco D'Angelo will join us, one of our handicapper extraordinaires. But uh, hour number one, the former wide receiver is in the house. Mike Pritchard joins us. VEASAN fame as well as Raider Nation Radio and just NFL fame, as I like to say. <laughs> Longtime cohort. What's up, my man? What's happening? Good to be with you. Good to have you here uh, once again. Part of the rotation. Pritch is here. And then the staple, Double B, Brian Benowitz in the house as well, too. Double B, how you doing? Sporting your silver and black gear once again. No, silver and black. I'm all in. I'm all in. Uh, they pulled it off last week in miracle fashion. It was, it was a ton of fun. And uh, uh, four in a row for the Raiders. Why not make it five? Why not? All right. We'll be breaking down each and every NFL playoff game coming up uh, on this show. And we've got, what, uh, six games happening. So we've got two on Saturday, three on Sunday. And then we've got a Monday night football game that will conclude with the Cardinals and the Rams at SoFi Stadium. So a lot to get to, a lot to cover here on the show today. First and foremost, Pritch, how you been uh, surviving? I've been surviving. Uh, you know, I'm winning, though, TC. I'm yeah. winning. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's all I could ask for. Like, uh, when somebody asks you how you're doing and you can say, I'm winning, that's good. That's a good thing. So that's what's happening lately. Cannot wait for these playoffs, man. If we get last weekend... And what happened with Sunday Night Football and then carried over to the national championship, the drama, if we can get that bottled up into this weekend as well, man. It's going to be spectacular. Have you ever witnessed, either as a player or just as a fan, of six straight fourth down conversions? And we're not talking fourth yeah. and ones here. Yeah. We're talking two fourth and sixes, fourth and nine, three fourth and tens. Oh, and by the way, the fourth and 21. Ever seen anything like that in your life i haven't um that that was an incredible moment at that game too i mean that that place was juiced up uh and that's what we want to see it you know from here on out yeah. at the legion stadium juiced up like that for the raiders but no i have not seen a player like that respond that way under that kind of pressure be that age too he's such a young quarterback but it tells you about his future for sure uh and then also it highlights the coaching decisions that are made these times this time of year from from coaches and okay when do you start to believe in your athletes more so than you think uh your book is right right and uh you know we see coaches get themselves in trouble that way but now that the playoffs are here i, I think we're going to lean on at least coaches should lean on the performances of the players out there All right we look at raiders bengals coming up on tomorrow 1 30 we'll kick off the super wild card weekend uh let's start breaking this down guys uh first of all let's look at the raiders Six of their ten victories have come on the final play of the game. That's another oddity that I don't think we've ever 
seen ever before. Let me ask you, I'll start with you, Pritch, with this. Is this, do you get the feeling that this could be this magical season, the way things have transpired, not only with the, the six wins on the final play of the game, but overcoming all the obstacles and then the... The way they hang on last uh, Sunday night. Well, you never want it too close for comfort. You never want those type of games. You want to pull away and and certainly have it uh, be decided early on if you can. But one of the things about the Raiders over the years, a brief history here in Vegas, even with Coach Gruden out in Oakland, uh, they typically were in those possession games, though. You know, and a lot of a lot of times they went the other way. They collapsed last year and the year before they collapsed. Uh, But this year they found a way to get it done and. You mentioned those six victories. It, it coincides with the fact that uh, Derek Carr has six game-winning drives, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's second in the league behind Big Ben. Uh, so it's incredible. I think the adversity uh, situations are something that this team embraces uh, because they are resilient and they fight uh, for 60 minutes. So it's part of their DNA at this point. Mm-hmm. Magical year. You, you buying it? <laughs> I don't know if it's magical. I, I, you know, I'm buying the fact that they're making plays when they need to. Okay. Um, you know, certainly the ball bounces their way, but they're still making plays, overcoming obstacles, and making plays when they have to. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The two previous years, and I'm glad you brought it up, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders folded. You know, they folded here, and then they folded in Oakland. They they had playoffs in sight, and they couldn't figure out how to win and ha- couldn't win down the stretch. This year, completely different. There were many, many times over these last four weeks that they could have hung them up, and they didn't. They fought hard. They clawed. They got great special teams, probably the best special teams I've seen in, in a long time, uh, whether they're whether it's the punting team, the kickoff team, which they kick it out of the end zone every time, or the guys just clutch. Carlson goes out there and just, just money yeah. uh, w- when need be, and uh, it's a fun team to watch. I mean, you're on the edge of your seats, that's for sure. Don't leave early when right. the Raiders are playing, whether they're ahead or behind, because they're gonna make, it's going to come down to the last few plays. And the uh, uh, beginning of the year uh, kind of typified it when uh, they went to overtime in that wild game against uh, Baltimore, and then it ended in the same way. Uh, that kid, uh, Herbert, was unreal. He was unreal. The only one they missed was in the early third quarter, fourth in, 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 in a yard, which, right. they, which they went for in their own 18, which was silly. Uh, but this guy, he got hit. I mean, he was getting smashed, and uh, his, his uniform was awfully dirty, and he just kept getting up and uh, making plays. And uh, so it was an impressive uh, desire for them to come back, and it was great by the Raiders to answer. And uh, loved watching the game. We know that the Raiders have a short <laughs> week this week. Obviously, the Sunday night game, and then they got to go on the road tomorrow play Cincinnati with that you know 1.30 Pacific time game. But uh, two franchises here that just have not had success in the postseason over the last you know 20 years. We know we talked about it uh, earlier this week about the Bengals. You know, 31 seasons of not winning a playoff game, and as you know, they had some pretty good teams mm-hmm. when you know Marvin Lewis was coaching. They had home field advantage. They lost a lot of the, uh, the, those home games here. And, and the Raiders, as we know, haven't been to the playoffs and it, you know won a game in since 2002. So uh, I'm kind of glad that this is kind of the first game to kick off the week because there's a lot of intrigue and you can make the case for both teams here. But Pritch, let me ask you, as a former player, is is that kind of in your head, do you think? Because you know Bengal players and coaching staff, they've been hearing it all week, whether it's from Cincinnati media, national media, and they're hosting another playoff game. It's like, okay, Joe Burrow's still relatively young here. Do you think that that futility of not winning a playoff game for 31 years is that in your psyche and any effect whatsoever as you get ready for Saturday's game? Well, I think it's in your head only when you're asked a question. Yeah. Uh, it, it quickly leaves your head as a player, especially the youth on that football team. Yeah. Uh, their star players, a lot of them are under 25 years old, and the other star players came from other locations, Trey Hendrickson and people like that. So 
I yeah, I mean, it's going to be mentioned. It's going to be asked. That's the community. That's the fan base that's going to be curious about your thoughts on it. But you're quickly going to forget about it, and certainly you're not going to think about it during a week of practice. I, I look at the Bengals this way, though. They shut it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that Kansas City game, you talk about shutting it down. They shut it down, right? Uh, had the week off, didn't play really their starters the next week or the premium guys. Uh, so now they got to rev it up again, whereas the Raiders have been in win-or-go-home mode for a month now. Right. They haven't shut it down. And I know you said a short week, which is interesting because I, I think at this time of year as you enter the playoffs, the amount of work or the volume of work is not a lot. I mean, you, you're going to fine-tune some things, maybe work on some wrinkles. But for the most part, you're just going to lather up, get your body uh, lathered up and, and warmed up and uh, go through the reps. But you want to make sure you're okay, though. Uh, and so uh, both teams are going to be healthy for the most part. Everybody's banged up at this point. But I'll be curious to see how long it's going to take the Bengals to rev it back up again, whereas uh, I think uh, the, the Raiders can start this game uh, with the pedal to the metal. Right. How much should we look into the previous meeting? These two teams met at Allegiant Stadium. It was 32-13, yeah, 32-13 the final. But as we know, I mean, that was a, a 10-6 ball game, right? Uh, you know, they're getting ready to go into uh, the fourth quarter. Uh, Mixon had a pretty good day. I mean, Burrow didn't have a lot of yardage, but, you know, his accuracy was, was spot on. How, how much should you look at that? Well, you know, I think both teams will look at the tape. Uh, but the Bengals are completely different now yeah. than they were back then, and so are the Raiders, really, to be honest yeah. with you. Uh, they're featuring guys. They found some matchups. Zay Jones has come on a big time, and uh, he's been starting lately, and, and certainly, you know, Brian Edwards, we kind of forget about him, but, uh, you know, this offense, Derek Carr, his distribution of the football has been spectacular, uh, and then, I mean, come on, the, the defense for the Raiders, too. Uh, the totally last, different. Yeah, the last three games, you know, they played opponents that wanted to run the football but couldn't. Uh, think about that for a minute. You, you, you're the Indianapolis Colts, and your DNA is to run a football. You got one big run in that game, and that was it. Uh, and so the violence, uh, I think the, the Raiders have increased the violence, and that has paid dividends as well. Yeah, it's been fascinating to see that Raider defense mature as the years gone on. Uh, some of the guys they've replaced, and the other guys are making plays. Uh, and to watch uh, Perryman go sideline to sideline, he's, he's unreal. And the, the motor on Mad Max mm-hmm. is as good as you'll ever see. You could just stare at him and just watch him during the play and just see everything that's right about football. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been fascinating. And Pritch brought up a great point. They're finding people like um, Zay Jones, who I've been yelling to get the ball to Zay all year mm-hmm. uh, because he runs some fast routes and he's open. And a lot of times they were looking only to Waller. And they were looking down below. And uh, finding guys like him uh, is, a, is a great thing. And then Renfro's having a career year, uh, whether he's returning kicks or whether he's out there doing third in Renfro or he's uh, you know, running his routes and catching the ball. It's, uh, it's been nice to see uh, the distribution of the ball. Um, and I think it's the Raiders' game to lose, to be totally honest. Uh, and that's what they did. They lost it in the fourth quarter. That wasn't the Bengals pulling away. The Raiders just completely fell apart in the fourth quarter. So they play 60 minutes. I think you got a, you got a team that's going to come home with a victory. Derek Carr's first playoff game. It's been right. a long time. <laughs> and, again, you know, he had the broken leg in, in 16 and couldn't participate. You remember your first playoff game? I do. It was my rookie year. Okay. Yeah, it was my rookie year. Similar kind of thing for – for the fact that the Falcons had not been to the playoffs in a quite a while, and I was coming off a national championship game, so I was right. all geeked up and right. trying to get everybody hyped. and Like, this um, is where I'm supposed to be. I'm used where, to this, right? Exactly. I'm yeah. used to this kind of stuff. So, no, we went on a run. We beat the Saints in the first round, then wa- lost to the Washington football team, who one of the better Super Bowl teams ever back in 91. Mm-hmm. But, um, no, it, it was a great experience. And, and I think for D. Carr, 
it, it just opens up the possibility of someday may, maybe reaching the Super Bowl. And because he's accomplished everything, right? And I know this is a defining moment for him to play a, in a playoff game, but this is time to be greedy. Yeah. I mean, you're three wins away from being in that big game, man. If you can string them together, anything and everything can happen. Mike Pritchard joins us, the former wide receiver. Uh, does a fantastic job here in the media as well and has for quite some time. Uh, great to have him with us uh, when he when he shows up just every couple of weeks. He's in the rotation. I love it. I appreciate it, man. So let me ask you both of you guys. Let's talk about the the playoff that the, I'm rather the matchup in this game between the Raiders and the Bengals that benefits the Raiders the most. Uh, I, I would say it's the defensive line of the Raiders. Uh, yeah, they're going to try to run, but their defensive line and their linebacking crew has stepped up and stopped the run, uh, and they've put tremendous pressure on quarterbacks. Uh, that, like I said, Herbert had to be pinpoint and awesome the way he was zipping that ball arm because he did not have time. It wasn't like only on that fourth and 21 did we rush three. Otherwise, they were putting a lot of pressure on him, and he was running around and make, had to make plays. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure on Burrow, too, in this game. Right? I mean, he came in, he got hurt that first year. Now he's in with the, with the playoff team trying to come up. Does he have enough guys to get the ball to? We'll see. We'll see if they can win a playoff game at home. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a great matchup up front. You know, the edges, I would think they're going to try to chip and slow down the edge guys. Um, so, to me, the same thing with the defensive line. The rotation that the Raiders are going to have, because five line is going to be out, and, and can the Raiders, can they force predictable passing situations? Because I think if they can get that push up the middle, with Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson, and Cleve Farrell, I think they can move him down inside to get get that power and that, that speed uh, elevated right there in the middle. That That's going to help out the edges. Uh, and then, there, you know, Burrow with the knees, both of them, really, I don't know how mobile he's going to be, right, and how mobile is he going to think he can be in this game. Uh, but the opportunities could present themselves in the back end for the secondary. The Raiders have to get turnovers. They have to get... Uh, a, a couple of picks if they can, even a fumble, generate a fumble that way. But a, a couple of turnovers win that battle. The turnover differential certainly helps the cause for the Raiders on the road. You know, Joe Burrows led the NFL in completion percentage. Yeah. He's, you know, 70, uh, 70%. And also yards per attempt at, at nine yards right. as well, too. He's the youngest player in NFL history to accomplish that. But the downside here, is, and it goes to your point here, that he's been sacked 51 times. The, the most of, of anybody, and that's a, a little concerning, I guess, if you're a Bengal fan. And for the Raiders, the way we have seen this improvement on the on the defensive front, uh, you would think that, hey, I mean, Mad Max is going to be harassing uh, Joe Borey. Will he have that opportunity? And, Pritch, how do you see that playing out? I mean, we, we know if you give Burrow time, he can slice and dice you. Sure, but sure. But sacked 51 times, I mean, that is not a good recipe, uh, you know, to, to go on. And, and not saying the Bengals are going to advance to the Super Bowl, but a team has never uh, won a Super Bowl, even got to a Super Bowl, sacked that many times. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the Burrow factor, though, I mean, he gets rid of the football. He's really I mean, he's accurate, and they, they throw the ball vertically down the field. I mean, uh, he, he'll take that drop and get rid of the football, and then those guys just make plays down the field. So, you know, even if the Raiders aren't getting pressure, that puts pressure on the back end to break up that pass. But you got T. Higgins, who's 6'4", 6'5". He plays like he's 6'8", right? Right. right? Uh, and then Jamar Chase, if he's got a step on you, it's over. Mm. So I think the push up the middle is – because you don't chip up the middle. You mm. chip the edges. Mm. And if the Raiders can be dominant and push up the middle, now he's got to slide in that pocket, and he could slide into Ngakwe or Crosby. And so 
it's imperative that the Raiders get that push up the middle in passing situations, though. Is that the biggest concern, you think, if you're a Raiders fan, the concerns that you have in this matchup with the Bengals, or is it something else? Um, I think that's the biggest one. You, you know, you, you always are conscious of Trey Hendrickson on the other side and Hubbard on the other side with our tackles, but uh, I, I think the Raiders should be able to run the football. They should be able to uh, throw the ball to you, I, I think, with, without that kind of a pressure situation for Dekar, uh, in particular over the middle. I, I don't think the linebackers for – the Bengals are that great, uh, and we know the Raiders offensively, they do a lot of movement stuff, but yet there should be some some throwing lanes for Derek Carr in this one, though. Yeah, and, and Waller should be back to 100%. So, uh, you know, he looked a little uh, iffy on the field in the last yeah. couple of weeks, but he, I'm sure he's uh, an extra week of practice to be ready to go. I thought, uh, and Pritch, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought uh, Josh Jacobs had his best game of the year. And uh, when it came to push, push came to shove in overtime, he was running like a man possessed, finding the holes and, and, and getting north-south. Yeah, he was. Uh, you know, running with that type of authority, you know, you're going to break those arm tackles too. And uh, I think the Raiders, their scheme has been great. Uh, extending it uh, with the wide zone to the outside, even with Foster Moreau, that's allowing some creases to develop at the line of scrimmage. And that's all Josh Jacobs needs. Uh, earlier on in the year, he was bouncing it to the outside but- and – you know, he was taking away his effectiveness that way. But now he's getting north and south, and he's running behind his pads and, and running with some authority and power. So so certainly that's something that has paid dividends for the Raiders in terms of the running game. But if you ask me, the DNA is D, D Carr uh, and the fact that he can make plays uh, from the pocket. Great. All right. Uh, ready for a little fun fact, Brian? Fun fact, yeah, yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll give fun you fact. He's on fun fact. Again. We're on fun fact today. It just it hit me. Uh, <laughs> officiating. All right. The NFL's least penalized team, Cincinnati Bengals. Raiders, as we know, the third most penalized team. Keep that in, the, in mind, especially when we get to the playoffs here. And Pritch, do the officials, um, are they a little bit more keeping their flag in their pocket come playoff time or what? you got to tell me who the crew is. Yeah, right. Because Hockley, all bets are off. Right, that's what I'm saying. And, 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 <laughs> I mean, you're, and you're right because yeah. I was doing a little homework on this. It really depends oh. on who the crew is. Yeah. And I can't remember. I think it's the I think it's the Bucks game. I don't know how to go. But whoever the referee is, he throws the most flags for roughing the passer. Okay. Is doing, I think, that game. you got to be careful with that. Yeah, you know, for this kind of game, I mean, if you're an officiating crew and they all meet before the game, if you look on one side of the field and you see Joe Burrow, Mixon, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, and then you look on the other side, you see Waller, Carr, Jacobs, Renfro, Zay Jones, you're going to let these guys play. Like, right. as a crew, you're going to make up your mind and say, look, we're going to let these guys play. If there's something happening, we warn them. We warn them. Uh, but but if it continues to happen, okay, then we throw the flag. But we got to let these guys get into a groove in a game. I hope that happens because there's just too many exciting players in the game right now on, on both sides uh, for the officials to impact the game. Yeah, and sometimes it's glaring when they impact the game. I mean, there was a game this year, there's 28 penalties called. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that was painful to watch yeah. as a spectator. You do want the athletes that are on the field to dictate it, but unless there's some sort of glaring penalty, uh, you know, you don't call it. I thought the Raiders last week were fantastic. I mean, there was only two penalties that I could actually look at to say, hey, that was a bad move, the guy that head-butted him after right. the, the, the special <laughs> teams play. And then on fourth down, the defensive holding on the other side of the field. That was the only two plays. San Diego was committing just horrific penalties yeah. all throughout that game. So uh, I thought the Raiders stepped up and showed a lot of maturity. And, uh, you know, maybe they, that carries on. Uh, and if, uh, you know, they allow um, – 
you know, the the one stride into the quarterback and, and, and what happens. Uh, or if they call that, that's a big deal. Because, uh, you know, you, we were here with Jay a few weeks ago. He said they used to take two steps. Right. Two full steps <laughs> oh, and yeah. launch. Oh, yeah. You know, so, I mean, it was a different, <laughs> totally different game back then. All right, yeah. so the, the breaking news, we do have the referee for this game. Okay. Uh, it, it, it is uh, Jerome Boger. Jerome Boger. That's right. How is he with uh, flex? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. okay. I, don't, I don't know. It's not Hockley, though. It's not Hockley. Not, not, no, you don't got Hockley. Yeah. Good. Oh, Hockley good. Jr. Right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Sean. <laughs> right. Um, no, but but they – and that's how these playoff games should be officiated. Mm-hmm. They should be – at least my experience, like, if, if, there's, if there's a gray area, if it's borderline, hey, man, I'm going to warn you. I could have called that, but I'm going to call it next mm-hmm. time. So you kind of back off. But at least you know your boundaries. Like, if you go into the game and you don't know where your boundaries are and all of a sudden you're just flag after flag after flag, you're not going to get into a flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm hoping that's going to be the case for all the playoff games, to be honest with you. All right, all right let's talk about uh, the rest of the playoff games uh, for tomorrow. So New England and Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo favored by four and a half uh, in this contest. Third time that we've seen this matchup, yep. right? Each team winning on the other's home field. Weather is going to be a concern. Uh, high temperature double B, zero. Coming your way in Buffalo. A uh, nice warm day. There you go. Nice warm day in you, know, you know all about those cold weather games. Yeah. Uh, Pritch, how do you see this game unfolding? Man, I tell you, Isaiah wins out for this game, the left tackle for the Patriots. But I, I was looking at some stats. Who, you know Mac Jones had a pretty good year, right? Yep. I mean, for a rookie quarterback, he's fifth all-time in yards, passing yards. Think about that. Mm-hmm. That's a quiet fifth all-time when you consider Andrew Luck, Cam Newton, um, all these other premium names up there at rookie quarterbacks that Justin Herbert, I mean, those kind of guys. You throw Mac Jones in there now, and the fact that the Patriots can run the football. The third time around, the production for Josh Allen in terms of touchdowns is over 70%. He accounted, I think Buffalo had like 57 total touchdowns, and Josh Allen accounted for over 70% of that. So if you're one-dimensional like that against Bill Belichick, I mean, that's, that's going to be tough, I believe. I, I know Buffalo's improved, but third time around, and, and you've got an offense that you believe in, even though Mac's a rookie. I don't, at this point, he's not a rookie anymore. Uh, and so I, I, think the, I think the Patriots kind of lean on him a little bit to open up the rushing attack and, and therefore unleash uh, against Josh Allen as well. You want a little fun fact, Double V? This game? Look at you. Fun facts I got, galore. I, I got fun facts galore. What, what do you got for me, Larry? It struck me because Pritch just said it. Yeah. Mac Jones, all right? Rookie quarterback, right? Rookie quarterback's 0-6 in playoff games since 2010. You want that on the road? <laughs> I don't know, man. Good <laughs> fun fact. Cold environment. Yeah. Cold environment. How many of those rookies were with Bill Belichick, though? That's, uh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, and Josh McDaniel, right? <laughs> sure. Okay. And, and here's the, what's what's up with Josh Allen because he's had some serious accuracy issues, especially the last couple weeks here. And uh, here's another fun fact: second worst NFL in history is Josh Allen in freezing temperatures. <laughs> I got plenty of fun facts tonight. Man, you are you are you did your research? Today. I did. I did. I, I, I did. But anyway, yeah, uh, Buffalo. How do you feel about this team because they have been uneven? Yeah, you know, down down the stretch here, I think injuries had something to do with that. You know, whether Beasley was in or not, but then also. Emmanuel Sanders on the other side. Gabriel was out, too. So, um, Davis. Uh, so, you know, they, they have players. I mean, it takes a quarterback to be able to throw the players, you know, and Stephon Diggs has been a constant. I was worried on, on the compliment situation for Diggs, who was going to be on the other side of him. But I got word that Emmanuel Sanders has practiced. So, uh, I look for him to be effective 
a guy who's got a ton of playoff experience as well as Super Bowl experience to be opposite of Stephon Diggs, though. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia and Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay, eight-and-a-half-point favorite. We know the Bucks have plenty of injuries here. They do not have the same firepower, especially at the wide receiver position. Chris Godwin out. Of course, Antonio Brown gone. But uh, Cyril Grayson, that was a big blow. He got injured last week as well, too. What do you do if you're Tom Brady? Do you, is you just focusing on the tight ends with Cameron Brate and, and Rob Gronkowski? Or, or, or where do they go for offense? Because we know Fournette's going to yeah. play, but he's he's banged up, he's too. He's got a hamstring, I believe, which yeah. that can go at any moment, right? Um, does this Ro- game scare you a little it bit? It does a little bit. I mean, Ronald Jones is out. Yeah. He was the other backup. So you got Giovanni Bernard and uh, Le'Veon Bell. Correct. Yeah. So you got Le'Veon Bell, you know, and I don't know if they had a lot of time to work him in. I know he's got familiarity with B.A. Uh, out there in Pittsburgh when he was up there. But, you know, Tom Brady's a dink and dunk passer. The record, all-time record for passing attempts, Matthew Stafford, I think around 727. Yeah. This year, Brady had like 717. Uh, so he's throwing a football. And now you got weather. Uh, I lean on the tight ends, you know, O.J. Howard the, the, the first time uh, around against the Eagles. He caught some passes, but then he didn't finish the game because he got hurt. That, that's been the story of his career, though. But, yeah, he's running out of bodies. To me, that's the X factor for Tampa Bay if they can repeat or not. Can they stay healthy throughout the playoffs? If they can't, their depth falls off a cliff at this point. Yeah, We know the Eagles got the best run game you know, with yeah. Miles Sanders, even though he's banged up a little bit too, averaging six yards a carry. And when the Bucks, you know, they have the best run D when healthy. And Levante David is coming back. Shaq Barrett, those guys are coming back. So it'll be interesting to see uh, this matchup with Tampa Bay at home, eight and a half point favorite. So live dog or no live dog with Eagles? Oh, man, I think oh, for the, when you consider the weather, Sanders is going to be back. He's got a broken hand, right? Yeah. And I played in the national championship with a broken hand. So you're going to have guys that are going to suck it up. But Shaq Barrett's coming back. I don't know, you know, with the ACL, MCL situation, and then JPP's game time decision too. So the thing about the Eagles, what makes me nervous for Tampa is that they extended their rushing attack to the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll pull Kelsey. You get the extra blocker formations. They create mismatches on the edge for, in terms of numbers. Uh, and so the Bucks, their strength in stopping the run is Vea in the middle and those guys, too, the David and, and certainly White. But White, White can run like the wind. You know, he can get sideline to sideline. To me, he's going to be a key factor for sure in this game, though. I think the key factor for whether that Philly can stick to stick around is can they finish drives? They're going to move the ball. They're going to run the ball, and they have run the ball effectively, but can they finish drives in the end zone without having to settle for three? Uh, and, and that's what it comes down to, I think, for Philadelphia if they want to stick around this game in Tampa. They can run the ball. Mm-hmm. We saw it here, though, when Sanders went out, though. Yep. That was the end of the running attack. Yeah. Right. And, and when they're one-dimensional Philadelphia, there's not a lot of weapons out yeah. there. And we so. know Hurts can get out of the pocket as well, too, and cause some problems as well, too. And he's healthy. I mean, he took last yeah week off and I think he'll be fine but it really comes down to them running the ball controlling the ball keeping that Tampa Bay offense off the field and then finishing in the end zone for them to have any chance in this game. Last game tomorrow uh, Niners and the Cowboys and uh, we've seen some line moving with this thing now Dallas only a field goal favorite here Uh, probably game of the weekend wouldn't you think? I think so I think so I mean the the history between the two Mm -hmm. franchises too uh, but this is intriguing because you got Kyle Shanahan against Dan Quinn and Coaches, they have these war games when they were on the same staff, right? And so Dan Quinn, highly familiar with the schemes of, of Kyle. And Kyle, who was the best play caller in the National Football League, hands down, uh, going up against that scheme with Dan Quinn. But the thing that's interesting to me is Kyle sought out 
Dan Quinn. He wanted to be a part of that staff, and he wanted to understand the whole cover three, single high, cover one concepts, right? Because the middle of the field is a real estate for any coordinator. They, they want to work the middle of the field in the passing game, certainly with the zone running game too, but with the cover three scheme or even cover one with a the robber, they take the middle of the field away. So how, how can I call plays? And, and uh, you know, I, I think Kyle caught up to speed in terms of what Seattle was able to do with Quinn and certainly being on the staff with Quinn uh, was something that Kyle Shanahan wanted to get more familiar with. And they got weapons galore. Mm-hmm. It's the, the X factor here to me is Garoppolo. Yeah. Are we going to get Jimmy G <laughs> or are we going to get Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, it's, <laughs> take your pick, right? And, but I, if he's healthy and if he's on – uh, then this could be a nice uh, setup, a nice matchup for the 49ers. Fun fact right there. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo, 7-0 when he doesn't throw a pick. 2-6 and six when he doesn't. There you go. Fun well, fact. Well, what's he going to do? What's he, he going to throw a pick or not? You tell me. I mean, that, that, that fact only comes into effect. Yeah. If you know the knowledge That's of where that is. That's yeah. a fact. Yeah. Principle. This is Jeopardy. This is the lowest spread of the week, and it's obviously the sexiest game to look at. I mean, this yeah. looks like a fun game. I mean, you got two premier programs throughout the years. Yeah. Uh, won a ton of Super Bowls here. So uh, I think that's going to be a great game. I can't wait to watch it. And uh, then you got an extra game that night. Right. Now, I, I had a question for Pritch. It, it's weird to me, mm-hmm. and I can't get my hands around a Monday night playoff game. I know. It's right. just bizarre. It is weird. Yeah. Uh, because then they'll have to have a short week next week when they come yeah. back. So, so what do you think about that? Why did I mean? I know it's for ratings. Yeah. It's all for TV. I mean, it that's, is. But I mean, well, why not do three on Saturday and three on Sunday? Well, pulling back the curtain, I mean, as players, we get part of the revenue sharing. So, yeah. I mean, you think about it, it's yeah. more money. So, okay, that's more money in the end for us. So, uh, I, I think you just deal with it. Like I said, this time of year. The majority of practices are walkthroughs, you know, and, and your body's accustomed to it. And you got three games, you know, unless you're a number one seed, you got two games, and then you're in Super Bowl. Uh, and then you get another bye. So, I mean, th- that situation, you just block it out. Uh, you got to take care of business. You don't want to go home. This is all bonus money on top of that, too. So, uh, I, I think you suck it up and, and then embrace the moment on Monday night. <laughs> all right. Pittsburgh, Kansas City. Kansas City, 12.5 point favorite. That's the last game on Sunday. Yeah. So, remember, two games on Saturday the Raiders, Bengals. Patriots, Bills, then Sunday, Eagles, Bucks, Niners, Cowboys, Steelers, Chiefs, and then Monday is uh, Cardinals and Rams. Before I let you get out of here, Pritch, who do you like, man? Give oh, us, man. Who do you like? Well, let me pull out my sheet here because oh. I, I got it all typed up Look in notes. And I know. <laughs> I know. I, I do like the Bucks. Um, I, I can't lay it, though, but yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to do a teaser. Eight, eight, eight and a half. <laughs> yeah, like no. I said. Well, I mean, I, that's an attractive. That's America's yeah. teaser for you, I'm, by the way. I, I'm on it. I'm, yeah, a, okay. I'm, I'm teasing the Bucks. Actually, Who are you teasing them with? I actually like the Patriots um, as a dog, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, I, I'm leaning 49ers. I don't. I don't know what that's going to settle in at because I'm, yeah. I'm anticipating, and certainly uh, we're going to get some more information on whether or not America's team will get represented in terms of some money coming in on Dallas, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know where this number is going to settle in because I know it is juiced in some areas. Um, but I'm, I'm holding out hope that I can get a three-and-a-half there for 49ers. Yeah, right. And if you wanted the 49ers, you probably should have got it earlier in the week. Well, right? because, yeah, yeah. I know, right? It's in a lot of people are on the 49ers because, again, they've seen how hot they are mm-hmm. and uh, especially what they did last week. And, and the Niners are, again, it's Dallas Cowboys team. I mean, when you look at their offense, it is pretty phenomenal. And I know that we, when we had Scott Spritzer on yesterday, Scott was saying, man, there's, there's value here for, for the Cowboys at three with their offense and those weapons they have, uh, especially now they got those bodies back on defense. And, you know, 
I, I'm, I'm afraid to play this game. I mean, I yeah. love the Niners. I'm going to tease the Niners up. But, uh, yeah. you know. I mean, that's, that's, that, that's the comfortable situation. Yeah. But you know, I love you the think, way this team plays. They play hard. They play physical. Right. We saw that. They just took it to the Rams in that second but half. But real quick, though, yeah. that's, the, that's their best win on the road, right? I mean. Niners? Well, outside of, what, the, the Bengals? In overtime, yes. uh, both of those games were in overtime. Good point. Yeah. Uh, now this team is going on the road against the Dallas Cowboys team that is so good against the number two. Right. All right, my man. We All appreciate right. you as always, man. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Coach is making the you. making the rounds and yeah. uh, uh, Raiders Bengals prediction. Ah, uh, I, I think the Raiders win. Really? Uh, yeah, I think going to go on the road yeah. and get it done. Yeah, I think extend they do. that Bengals losing yeah, yeah, streak to thirty-two seasons. <laughs> huh? Right. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe it. I cannot believe it. You think about it. Like uh, you'll appreciate this too. Yeah. On on social media, uh, they had where you know you can't touch this drop. Nineteen ninety, MC Hammer. Of course. Uh, of course. So think about that. The last time the Bengals won a playoff game, or really, yes. I mean, you think about it. Was that long ago? So. Uh, when when you can't touch this drop, that's the last time the hey, the, the, the Bengals want to play. I'll game. give you one better. Okay, and we talked about this on the show yesterday. Numchuck uh, got this fun fact uh, yesterday. <laughs> Outstanding, but there was no social media. The Bengals have never got a congratulatory playoff win via mm. social media or a text or anything ever in the history of their franchise because that was before texting, before right. social media, before you know, the cell phone, all that stuff. Yeah. Think about that. <laughs> you talk about can't touch this. I mean, <laughs> 1991, you know, cell phones and, and texting and social media, computers, like, no. Yeah, not happening. The Bengals been bad for a long time. Oh, man. <laughs> They've been yeah. bad for a long time, but they got a bright future. I mean, yeah. if they could keep no. Burrow healthy. Oh, yeah, they do. I mean, uh, 50 sacks, you don't get guys sacked 50 times in a couple of years. They're not going to make it around. Yeah, yeah. He's already had one major injury, right. so uh, uh, they need to, they need to build a line around him and protect him. You got it. All right, Pritch, appreciate you as always, Appreciate my friend. you guys. All right, uh, Good tell, luck. tell everyone where they can hear you, man. Oh, I'm uh, on VSIN. Monday through Friday is called Betting Cost America. We're on locally uh, Pacific time 12 to 1, which makes it. Three to four Eastern. Yeah. Uh, also, Raider Nation Radio Friday mornings yep. uh, with Clay Baker, the morning tailgate, right. seven to ten a.m. All right, good, All right. good deal, man. Uh, and I was gonna say, we look forward to seeing you next time at Legion Stadium. But yeah. unless the bizarre there happens, you, go. you know, there you go. No more Raider, uh, you know, home games. Right, but, right. We'll have to wait. Absolutely, our right, brother. Be good. Right, Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, he is Mike Pritchard. Appreciate him as always. When we come back. Uh, the good doctor is in-house. Dr. Christina Madison is going to join us. Marco D'Angelo as well next hour. we got our best bet segment, a whole lot more coming your way. It is the T.C. Martin Show. Where the cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. <laughs> Check out his big stethoscope. Or not. It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. Friday afternoon, you know what that means. Yes, Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, no better spot to be here on the Strip, whether it's the gaming or the sports book here, the beautiful sports book powered by William Hill. And, of course, the glorious, tremendous food options. I'm just getting hungry thinking about it. Block 16, and, of course, Blue Ribbon, the STK. Uh, it, go, it goes on and on, on you, and on. You here. skipped lunch today, right? I, that's right. I, you know, that's why I'm a Your plant. Sh- yeah. yeah. You know he how does, I, doesn't he, yeah. right before yeah. on Fridays? I, I do. I, I, I try to, you know, I got to always – my routine is I have to have lunch, but sometimes Friday's such a crazy day, I'll just pace myself and wait, and then I'm going like crazy, and then boom, show's over. It's a feast time at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Yeah, you like that? We're going to go up to block 16 after lunch, oh, after the show. There it is. Look Let's at that. Let's do it. Bronx, Bronx, Perfect. Bronx Bomber's in the house. Yes, you've been hankering for a Bronx Bomber. I haven't <laughs> had, you know what? But honestly, I'm probably going to revert 
back to that burger because that burger is so good there, I can't get off the burger. Yeah, I they, know, you know what I mean? It's they, like your crack. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's talking. He's talking about Lardo, which is a fantastic yeah. sandwich shop out of yeah. uh, Portland that's been here for a couple of years, and they got yeah. really great things. Their grilled cheese is quite good with the yeah. uh, with the uh, steak in there, and then they they got a thing called the full wrench. Yeah, the full wrench is quite good. Yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. maybe we'll get a, maybe we'll get one of everything, and you can you can sample. I was just going to say that there's the breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. Double B is the king of the shareables. That's yes. it. He, he is. is. He is he the really only is. guy that I know that is. A, no, we're doing the shareables. Yes. It's like that. So yeah. you know. That, which is fantastic. A little You're dabble. killing me, Smalls. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Christina Madison's in the house. Thank you yeah. for joining us. It's so good to be back at the Cosmopolitan. I mean, this place has such amazing energy. And then, obviously, you know, Brian is just such an amazing person. And so I just always love the fact that, you know, we have the ability to be here and be in person. It just makes such a difference. Um, and then obviously, you know, hello, playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like, who's not excited about that? Mm-hmm. And I, I just feel like there's been so much COVID and sports news going on lately that I'm actually quite shocked that you haven't asked me to come on before today. <laughs> I mean, uh, I used to be coming on, like, what, once a week, and yeah. then you forgot about no, me. No, no, it's not. There we go. She's playing that card again now we have been a little bit busy with anymore no that's i i mad love for you you know that no mad love for you like after the birthday because we didn't get a chance to go out for your birthday (laughs) because you had other plans (laughs) (laughs) i'm just getting grilled over the coals here can you believe that that's right i mean invited you down now she has turned us down double b just so you know to come in studio okay but no she would rather come to the cosmopolitan which i can't blame well who would let's see here i can't i can't not say Yes, yeah. to coming down she, here. She likes swankiness. That's a layup. Yeah. That's a layup when you come here I versus know. the studio. Yeah, no. Yeah. It, it is. No question. Yes. All right. So Dr. Christina Madison has some breaking news for us. Yes. Yes. That's it. She is. And, and we're going to the tennis world. And we know that Novak Djokovic uh, is had his visa uh, rescinded or revoked. Uh, you've got this story. And it's a COVID story. It what, is. What, what do you got for us? Oh, my goodness. This man. Um, so breaking news. Their health minister has now revoked his visa again. So even though he was playing yesterday, he was practicing for doubles yesterday, it looks like he is likely to be expelled from the country, which means he actually would not be able, if he is expelled, he will not be able to come back to Australia for three years. So this is, you know, for the life of me, I cannot figure out why he has decided to make this decision because it is going to be detrimental to his career. You know, he is, by all accounts, the GOAT, right? Like, he's the greatest of all time. Like, why would you jeopardize being able to go for a tenth, right? He's already had nine, a tenth. Right. From a vaccine. Come on, dude. Like, not to mention the fact that now we, 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 it's new information has now surfaced that not only did he not quarantine, he had false information on his application um, to get into the country, but that he was around sick children after he tested positive for COVID and was likely in two countries. Now it's seeing that he's in Spain. I mean, come on, dude, come on. Like, at least just don't post it on social media. What do you think of these athletes who refuse to get vaccinated and or they have excuses for it or whatever? But, and, and then, again, they're out still out in public going out to, 
you know, clubbing and all this other type of stuff. And again, we saw it again uh, just in the last couple of days with uh, you know, you know, players, you know, going out, uh, you know, before NFL playoff games. Here we go again. This happened last night uh, somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just it is reckless disregard for public health, and it's really unfortunate because I think you know because these these athletes are at the top of their game, they're in tip top physical shape. They don't realize that they could be exposing someone that could potentially have serious complications, be hospitalized, and you know, God forbid, not survive this infection. And it just really is very disheartening because you know for all intents and purposes these guys are role models right like they may not take on that role model mantle but that's what they are and they need to see themselves that way and they're just they're just they're acting up like as my grandmother used to say they ain't got no home training they ain't not good they just don't got no good home training right like that really what it boils down to i mean it should not be this hard like if not if nothing else right just stay home. Right. Like, just stay home. Stay away from people. Like, you're basically typhoid Mary. Like, Omicron, you you just have to be in the same space with somebody for, like, less than five minutes to get it. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of these athletes, they seem to be coddled, you know, and they're above it all. And and guys like uh, uh, Djokovic, they've, been, they've had people that just take care of them. Yep. Uh, guys like Evander Kane, who just do the ultimate deceit and, and, and falsify their, their card. And now this guy, I mean, he's bankrupt. $1,000, by the way, to buy that card really? when he could have gotten vaccinated for free. Yeah, and he's now been dropped. He had a $40 wow. million dollar contract, plus, 40 plus million, right, with right. San Jose, right. and they wow. dropped him. He's waived and nobody's picked him up. And the guy's bankrupt. So, uh, you know, what are you doing? Just get vaccinated. I mean, you're, you're a strong athlete. Uh, do do a little research. Talk to Christina. She'll tell you right now how to do it and get get it done. Right. She told everybody how to get it done in the city. So they're a fantastic person, uh, you know, uh, getting people healthy and safe. And uh, the athletes, I mean, it's embarrassing. It's yeah, embarrassing. I mean, I would have personally vaccinated you. I mean... I mean, you took care I, of TC. I mean, I personally vaccinated TC. Absolutely. The TC's afraid I mean, of needles and stuff, so that was good. Yeah, I mean, we could have had a, <laughs> a whole, baby there, a whole no shindig over at Allegiant. Yeah, right. right? Exactly. I mean, I think, what, they're up to like six, almost 7,000 people that they vaccinated over at Allegiant because of the recommendations over there for, yeah. I mean, for being pe- vaccinated before going in the stadium? Absolutely. People have to be vaccinated going to Allegiant, and, and people are doing it. Mm-hmm. And whatever yeah. it takes. Yeah. If it was the Raiders to push you over the top, fine, whatever. Yeah. You know, you're 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 doing the for the the the, the greater good. Right now, it's a little late in the game, mm-hmm. but you could still get it done if you haven't got it done. Well, you've had to go through that here, getting your employees, you know, vaccinated. You guys have offered incentives, and we've talked about that. And yes. Christina has been to so many different, uh, you know, venues and companies here in town where they're we're doing things like that. Which, Currently. by the way, Cosmopolitan Las Vegas was the first to have more than eighty percent of That's their right. employees vaccinated. We, we're currently at the beginning of the. We're currently approaching 89% uh, yep. vaccinated. Uh, had a little trouble with the boosters, but we've offered uh, you know uh, boosters on property here for the last month and a half. So nice. uh, uh, there's a clinic going on today. So yes, we're doing everything in our power to keep our uh, co-stars safe, and uh, hopefully the uh, the guests that come in appreciate that as they uh, to follow the protocols here in Nevada. Dr. Christina Madison uh, joins us. Uh, how do you think we're doing locally here in Las Vegas with everything? And we know that Omicron is a lot of people are getting this. It seems to be more contagious, but the symptoms are not quite as severe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Delta variant is still out there as well, too. Just kind of give us a, a local update. Yeah, so we're so we're not 
terrible, but we're not great. We're kind of right in the middle. Okay, so it, it basically what's happening right now is that because of the fact that we still have a large portion of the population, we're still a little shy of 70% that have had at least two doses, right? And so because we still have this you know, big portion of the population that has either partial vaccination or no vaccination, it really is just allowing Omicron to spread like wildfire. So, you know, most recent statistics from the Southern Nevada Health District is that, you know, we had uh, 3,000 reported new cases, which we just keep breaking records, unfortunately. One thing I will say that has been somewhat of a silver lining is that we haven't seen a demonstrable increase in our hospitalizations. However, we are at the point right now where we may get to the point where, you know, people who are going for non-COVID-related issues may have challenges seeking acute medical attention. And that's really what we're trying to avoid. Because I don't know about you, but if I need to have an emergency appendectomy or a heart, you know, if I have a heart attack and I need to go to the hospital, I don't want to you know, have an issue where there's so many COVID patients that I don't have skilled nursing staff, because really that's what it comes down to. It's not beds. It's those specialized individuals that need to be able to take care of those patients on things like the cardiac ICU, because they've been pulled to go to the COVID unit, or, you know, somebody that would normally be there for a surgical intervention can't, because that person has now been called out to, to deal with a COVID patient. So, you know, that's where we're at right now. And so again, um, you know, just want people to know, you know, there's no judgment. There is, there's, you know, if you still have questions about your vaccination, please ask somebody that you know, like, and trust, whether that is your primary care physician, whether that's your peer, whether that's your neighborhood pharmacist, your friend that's a nurse, your friend that got vaccinated, ask them about their experience. Um, please get vaccinated. It is free. And if you do become infected and you are positive, we have therapeutics now. So you can get monoclonal antibodies. We have oral antivirals now. So seek medical attention immediately. Don't think that you can just convalesce at home. Um, you know, a really good friend of my husband's unfortunately passed away. He was overweight. He was in his late 30s, left behind five children, um, died five days after contracting COVID. And they never offered him monoclonal antibodies. Yeah. So I think it's it's partial not knowing, but then also thinking, oh, he was young, otherwise healthy, even though he was overweight. And he went home and then was admitted and was intubated and then passed. So, you know, we have ways that people can get better and you know if you're not if you're choosing not to be vaccinated at least test so that you're not unwittingly transmitting this to somebody else you know double b and i were talking uh, a little bit earlier in the show about we had this flashback and it was really an i want to use the word maybe irritating maybe irritating we're watching the ucla oregon basketball game last night and unbeknownst to either one of us i mean we're looking forward to this game and UCLA, what, number three in the country right now? Mm-hmm. Playing yes. in front of an empty Poly Pavilion again. It's like, are we going Whoa. back to this again? Yeah. And I know that Stanford had to play early on in the day in Palo Alto this weekend a couple times. And I didn't see any fans there as well, too. So it's like, wow, are we going back to this? And again, you know, we're coming up on anniversaries here pretty soon. Every time, you know, March comes around, we're thinking like. Yep, March Madness. Yeah, that was the first time yeah, I was on your show it, two it, years ago. There, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, it, are, are we 
are we going to – what's the next couple months going to look like for us here? So there are some – so there, so there's a couple things that's going on right now that are looking promising, right? Like I don't want to, you know – sugarcoat it and say that things are going to be rosy and fantastic, but it looks like because Omicron has just been so explosive that we are likely going to get to a point where we will get to herd immunity because of both people being infected and being immune as well as being vaccinated. So unfortunately, it looks like pretty much everyone, you know, we're at like one in three people are now testing positive for COVID, (laughs) Um, that everyone will either have had it or has been immune because of vaccination. And so um, if we look at the Northeast, which we're probably about a week and a half to two weeks behind out here in the West, they're starting to see a decline in their number of cases of Omicron and their number of hospitalizations. But remember, there's a lag time of about 10 to 14 days um, of people, you know, get tested positive, being symptomatic, then being hospitalized. So we still have a little bit of a lag time. So our thoughts are is that this is probably going to peak here in the next maybe three to four weeks. And then six to eight weeks will probably be at a plateau to where we're hopefully going to be at a point of herd immunity and things are going to hopefully start to look better. However, that is only if another variant doesn't come along. <laughs> and so there's been a lot of chatter in the news about this becoming an endemic. Uh, yes, maybe, maybe, yes. Maybe and by that March. getting to the point. Yep, exactly. Yeah, where exactly. people live with it like it's the flu, TC, and then right. each yep. year you get some sort of uh, uh, you know, vaccination or, or vaccine, booster yep. to go to it because uh, Omicron, with the one thing it did do, uh, 98% of the cases are now Omicron, uh, is it's, it blew out Delta. And yep. Delta was an assassin. So uh, yeah. uh, Omicron, while it's become crippling to uh, society and the services of the country, uh, and, and that's one of the big problems with the hospitalizations, right. the healthcare workers are sick. And yeah. the uh, transportation people are sick. That's why the flights are canceled and the trains are canceled. And it's tough to go out and get a meal because there's, they got no place to right. sit you because everybody's sick. Right. And so, my kids. Uh, so it's very, very teachers. difficult. Yes, and, and teachers. Yes, and teachers. Teachers are choosing not to work again, so it makes yeah. it very, very difficult on 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 everybody. And we're and seeing- so uh, hopefully, like uh, Dr. Christina said, that this will uh, uh, peak and plateau, and then hopefully come down pretty dramatically, like it has in South uh, Africa, and and they're starting to see in the UK. And yep. we're also hearing a term now, what, flurona, right? Which is people that have the flu <laughs> that also have COVID at the same time, right? Is so that a thing? So this is slightly misleading. Okay, because so this the is thing, why you're here. Yes. So the thing with flu um, co-infection with with the coronavirus that was a has, question, been, by the has way. Okay, been a so. thing. Yes. Oh, good old nunchuck. Hey, hey there, darling. Yeah. I know you're over there <laughs> listening in <laughs> back at the studio. Um, so Where you the, don't want to con- be. <laughs> so the concept of having flu at the same time as coronavirus is not a new one. We've actually seen it in the past. The difference is, is that we really had very f- little flu activity last year. So now um, it really is just making sure that people are vaccinated against both. Gotcha. She is Dr. Christina Madison. She's a great follow on Twitter as well. So informative. She makes her way not only around town, but on television and, of course, on 
this radio show as well, too. But uh, tell people uh, where they can find you, and are you boosting people up still? Yes, I am. I will be starting to boost people up again in February. I'm taking a little bit of time off for Good. myself right now for the month of January. But um, you can follow me on Twitter, at The Public Health Pharmacist, or Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, at The Public Health Pharmacist. Or you could go to thepublichealthpharmacist.com, and I will be there for your viewing pleasure, or you can ask me questions. <laughs> In which uh, nobody does it better uh, than her. So informative. And Brian and I were talking about that uh, at the beginning of the sh- show, just uh, how, you know, informative that you are and in, in how much great work that you do in the community so we appreciate you big time yeah it was, it was it was fantastic to get i mean if there's any rosy part of this whole COVID thing it was getting to meet you and, and what you've done for the community so that's that's a fantastic thing but we can't get off without talking about your Steelers. i know hello playoffs <laughs> are you picking them are you pick, picking the Steelers? I, i'm calling it i'm calling it Steelers gonna upset the chiefs yep I'm calling it right now. Wow, that's a big one. There it is. I'm calling it. All right, hour number two on the other side of the hour. Marco D'Angelo stepping into the hot seat with his hot streak as well, too. That's coming up, and we start breaking down each and every playoff game. Best bets coming your way. T.C. Martin Show, Double B, Brian Benowitz, Mike Pritchard, and Dr. Christina Madison here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Solomon Kinley in the backfield. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. And Tua throwing the other way to a wide open Durham spike for the touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show. Diagnosis. Shotgun. Murray. Prognosis. Out of the pocket. Seven seconds. Osmos. Six seconds. Murray. Hour number two coming your way live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. People rolling in here to the sports book powered by William Hill, T.C. Martin, Double B, Brian Benowitz in the house. Mike Pritchard joined his first hour. And, of course, the lovely Dr. Christina Madison as well, too. Marco D'Angelo steps into the hot seat right now. And, uh, yes, Raider fans getting ready for tomorrow, the first game of the Super Wild Card Weekend. Looking forward to that. MD Mike Dixon just stepped in the house, too. Photographer, writer extraordinaire. I mean, everyone's here. They come to the Cosmopolitan to see the T.C. Martin show. What more can you ask for? Numbchuck back in the studio. The G-Man making it happen as well, too. And uh, Marco D, 35-11. Marco D. What's happening? It's been a fun year. I don't want it to end. (laughs) (laughs) No. For for the visual, if you followed us last Friday and then Monday or whatever it was, you know Mar- Marco's now sitting in the middle seat. Is this good or bad? I, I can't keep score here. Well, all I know is Brian gave it up a couple weeks ago when he had a losing week, and I went six and zero that week, and I haven't given it back to him. <laughs> He's been on it, he's been on fire. He just couldn't couldn't overcome my curse of the uh, of the picking the same side as him. Yeah, the Ravens last week yeah. against the Steelers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I made up I made up some other good wins though. I had, had a pretty good weekend. <laughs> yes, you did, my friend. Yes. Rock solid. Our best bet segment coming this hour as well too, and uh, all that's up for you at tcmartinshow.com. Check all of that out. All of our fantastic uh, handicappers. All right. So let's uh, let's get into it here. Uh, before we do that. Uh, let's talk about some of the NFL news. Uh, coaching changes uh, galore here. David Culley let go by the Houston Texans uh, yesterday. He was only given 
uh, one year after signing a four-year deal. That was what was strange to me. When they brought this guy in, they made it sound like, okay, we're going to give this guy a, a shot. And the Texans, what, they ended up winning four games this year? That's four more than just about anybody else thought that they would win. And they were competitive. Uh, actually, he started to really groom Davis Mills, uh, the rookie out of Stanford, to play a uh, very good quarterback for this team. And this team, they played hard. They were in games, but now... Boom, he's the latest to go. Uh, Giants fired Joe Judge after two losing seasons. He was 10-23. and 23. The Giants' woes continue. Seven NFL coaching changes. Brian Flores, that was a big one we talked about earlier in the week, uh, getting let go by Miami. Vic Fangio from Denver. Mike Zimmer in Minnesota. Matt Nagy in Chicago. And uh, like I said, now the news of uh, uh, David Culley. Uh, thoughts, Marco? I don't understand it. You handcuff a coach with the situation that he had there with Deshaun Watson this year, not you know playing in all the turmoil and you know circus sideshow that it was. Uh, then to have to go with a rookie quarterback uh, for most of the season, I don't get it. You got to give a guy a chance to, and they had a you know four wins, but I believe two of them were major upsets this year, double digit upsets. I don't get it. You got to get a guy a chance with a team. And he had no chance. The Houston Texans are proving again why they are the worst franchise in all the NFL. How they can do this is, is appalling. The guy had the guy overcame that whole uh, Watson situation, like you right. said, and uh, they were they were dead in the water. People said, "Oh, they'll be lucky to win a game." Right. You know, maybe they get a tie. You know, but but this guy gets four wins and they're competitive, and then uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Now they got to eat that contract too, right? I mean, so exactly. it, just, it just goes yeah. to show you when you're a loser organization like the Texans, this is what you do. Yeah, very very, very sad news. Uh, Brian Flores. So we understand that he's probably going to end up in Houston, which is kind of a shame. Where you know Cully loses his job, and that's why Cully. Uh, you know, he didn't get the axe, you know, right away, you know, on Monday, like a lot of these other coaches. And now it looks, it sounds like that, you know, Brian Flores, who got let go by Miami, is going to take over the Texans here. <laughs> and I know Raider fans were thinking, oh, hey, maybe we can get Brian Flores here. Now, there is no technical opening, but as we know that, uh, you know, more than likely Rich, Rich Passaccia is not going to come back uh, as, as the Raiders head coach. Uh, so any, any thoughts on that? Well, the Brian Flores, that was another one that was a little bit puzzling, but it was more, as you said, TC, and we saw stories come out right. as the week went on that, uh, you know, the disconnect between him and Tua. And so, you know, yeah, they're always going to – you're going to side with your supposed superstar quarterback. We'll wait to see if he lives up to that. But, you know, they got to go with him. Uh, the other coach that got fired – I understand it because they've been treading water for the last few years, but I don't think Mike Zimmer's going to be out of the job for long. I think he's going to land somewhere. Um, he was a good coach in Minnesota for most of the time. They just couldn't get over the hump. And you got Green Bay in that division. That, that's part of the problem in Aaron Rodgers. All right, Marco, let's start uh, talking about uh, some of these games here, and uh, we'll start with uh, your Steelers. We, we hit uh, uh, you know, just about all the games up until the Sunday night game, uh, the Steelers and the Chiefs. The Chiefs, a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. We'll work our way back to the other games as well, too, to get your thoughts on this, too. But Steelers and Chiefs, it seems like a foregone conclusion that uh, the Chiefs are going to roll in this game. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is telling us, like, hey, you know, we don't have much of a shot, right? You know, it's, uh, we're playing with house money. Let's just go out there and have some fun. When you hear that, uh, but we know how competitive a coach Mike Tomlin is. Is this a mismatch as it seems on paper, or is there maybe 
a potential upset alert or at least a cover alert here for the Steelers? There's a possibility for the cover alert. They're saying all the right things, the Steelers. You know, they're, they're going in with this, let's have fun. We're, we weren't supposed to be here. Uh, I love the Roethlisberger statement. What, you 12 and a half? It should be more like 20, shouldn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, and they're going to go out there. And the fact that they did play Kansas City already, that poses the problem not to the Steelers, but to Kansas City. It's very easy to show up and figure, hey, we just got to show up and we're going to win this game. The problem for Pittsburgh is Kansas City came off a big scare last week. They had something to play for, and they didn't blow out Denver like everybody expected. And a team that couldn't score any points, the Denver Broncos, in the three previous weeks with Drew Locke, all of a sudden was trading points with Kansas City. So that gives Pittsburgh a little bit of hope. But I'm going to tell you where I'm at on this game. I'm on the first half with Kansas City. Now, I got down early in the week when it was seven. It's seven and a half now, right. so you are laying a big hook there on the first half wager. But the reason for that is in the final eight games of the season, the Pittsburgh Steelers have not scored more than 10 points in the first half. They scored 10 points twice. In the other six games, they scored three points or less. Uh, the two games that they scored 10 points, one was the Charger game, that Sunday night football game. They got a touchdown late in the first half, and that ended up being a high-scoring game. And the other one was that Monday night game when the crowd was just electric at, at Heinz Field. So if they fall behind early, which I expect them to do, I like Kansas City in the first half because Kansas City should come out focused after the Denver uh, you know, lackluster performance. After that... All bets are off, and if I've already cashed my bet at halftime, I can take off the Kansas City jersey, put the Ben Roethlisberger jersey on in my Steeler hat and root for Pittsburgh in the second half. So there you go. And if you're lucky enough to be here and, and, and Marco is that hot, it's only seven here at the book right now. So run to the window. First half. There That's right. All right. There you go. All right. Uh, we have a Monday night football game here for the playoffs, which definitely seems weird. And uh, Del B brought up a great point last hour about, you know, moving forward to next week and, and having a potential short week for the winner here. Cardinals and Rams, this will be the third go-round that these two teams have faced off against each other. Um, give me some thoughts here when you look at Rams and Cardinals. Yeah, as far as the short week goes, the NFL can't do to whoever comes out of the Monday night game what they did to the Raiders this week. Right. Coming back to the Sunday night game and then play the first game on Saturday. They have to pencil them into Sunday or nobody's going to ever want to play this Monday <laughs> night game again. Uh, as far as the game goes, these are two teams that they've looked electrifying at times. And they've looked frustrating, as you can imagine. And I think going into this game, we know the stat about Arizona. It, it's mind-boggling. They're 8-1 and one on the road, both straight up and against the spread. And they can't win at home. Um, so for Kyler Murray, it's better for him to be on the road. There's less pressure. You expect to get booed. I think coming into this week of the playoffs, the most pressure on any single player is on Matthew Stafford. This is a guy that was signed in the offseason to be the final piece of the puzzle. 
print the Super Bowl tickets. We got our quarterback. They started the season out, what was a 4-0. They beat Tampa Bay on, you know, the nationally, uh, the 4 o'clock game on uh, that week in the NFL, and everybody was printing those Super Bowl tickets. And what happened, Arizona took it to them the next week and, and laid them out because Arizona was undefeated at the time too, but nobody was talking about them because they had a soft opening schedule. They played on Monday night a few weeks back, and they got they even the score. The Rams got the job done. Now it's the tiebreaker. In this one, I'm leaning to Arizona right now because until Matthew Stafford shows me, remember, he's a veteran. He doesn't have a playoff win yet, okay, uh, until he tells me he can. And he's got all that weight on him. And if you look at the last three games, eight turnovers, that's not what I want to see if I'm laying points. So I like Arizona in the game. Yeah got a little bit of an oddity this week. I mean, not only with the seven uh, playoff teams in each conference and then having the two games on Saturday, the three on Sunday, the two on Sunday, and then uh, and then the Monday night game, as weird as that is. But we also have this trilogy going, and we just mentioned there with the Cardinals and the Rams, and we also have it with Buffalo and the Patriots, where all of these teams won on the road in these type of things. So home field advantage, you know, hasn't really meant that much in some closely contested games. How much should we now look at home field advantage because it is the playoffs here in these matchups with Buffalo and New England and the Rams and the Cardinals? Well, as far as, you know, the Buffalo one, you know, you hear the joke and you talk about it, the Bills Mafia. It's for real. I mean, and they haven't had... You know, playoff. They had a playoff game, you know, last year, but what you didn't have fans yet. So now you've got that electrifying uh, stadium. It's going to be cold, and people are talking about the weather. Both teams play in the cold weather, okay? Yes, Josh Allen has more experience than Mac Jones does in obviously being a rookie and playing in Alabama. This is going to be a test for him. But they've got Bill Belichick, and Bill Belichick will come up with a game plan. Remember that Monday night game. They played it. It was horrible conditions. The wind gusts were like 50 mile an hour. Uh, it was freezing cold. Uh, and what's he do? He comes out and says, you know what? We're going to run the football 46 times. Okay? And they had over 200 yards rushing. They controlled the game. But the single biggest play of that game was after the first touchdown. I don't know if he was scared to kick the extra point. Or what, but he went for two. And that two-point conversion that they made put Buffalo chasing the points the rest of the game. And that's why we always said, and we talked about two-point conversions last week and when to take them. When you have the lead, you okay, you got the first one, all right, I understand that. But you never chase the two points after you have the lead. You make the other team. And that was the perfect example the entire game where a couple times Buffalo made decisions because they still would have been down You're one right. if they kicked the field goal instead of taking the short field goal that they should have. And had they done that, they would have been in a position late in the game to win the game instead of having to try to get the touchdown. So that one play turned that game. But Buffalo flipped the script two weeks later. They went into New England and went on the road and showed their grit because at the time, New England had all the momentum in the world, and Buffalo was able to get the win that they had. It is going to be a fun game. That's the game that's given me the most problems this week, trying to side going back and forth. And 
I'm leaning to the New England side, but I don't know if I'm going to actually get to the window. So I can tell you right now that one didn't make my best bets. You know, what scares me in this game is, you know, watch both those games very, very closely, and then Buffalo just dominated the, the next meeting. I mean, they dominated that game from the beginning until the end. And when you go back to the first one with the conditions and everything, you're right, Marco, great point about how they were chasing. I've never been a fan for a coach that uh, – you know, wants to go for two off to, after the first score, like in the first quarter or something like that. And Mike Tomlin has done that a lot. Not so much this year, but in years past he's done that. And I've never understood it because, you know, so many times it's like, okay, and again, it does break your momentum as well too. Kick the extra point up seven. Oh, now we're only down six. In that case where points were at such a premium in that game, you know, with those weather conditions, you're right, it did make a difference. I think one of the rare times that I've seen it actually, you know, came out to an advantage there where in the mindset for Buffalo, I was like, well, we're chasing. But when they played again, I mean, Josh Allen was good. The running game was good. The defense was spectacular. And it, it, the Patriots looked nothing like they did in that first game. Absolutely. So, I mean, you've got the momentum. You know, you always say, like, you know, they talk about me and my business. You're only as good as your last pick. Well, in, you know, the football minds, they're going to go to the last game. And we talked about that when we did Alabama-Georgia. It's the team that's going to have to make the adjustments. Who makes the right adjustments? Buffalo made adjustments from the first game to the second game, and they worked. Now New England and Bill Belichick, and there's no better coach for X's and O's that's going to go to the drawing board and look at what they did and take it away from them. Uh, so we'll see We'll see what happens. I This is going to be a fun game to watch. Um, you know, it's the Saturday night game, and... Uh, I keep looking at that point spread. And, you know, I want to take New England. It's tempted yeah. to take, uh, you know, it's not a true game that you should take a teaser with, but it's there because you you just think right. New England's not going to get beat by double digits. You, you wouldn't think so. Uh, but then again, Unless there's a pick six late. In the game. Right, right, right. <laughs> and again, for me, you know, Josh Allen is kind of the quagmire here. I mean, this guy, you know, with all the hype that he gets, and we know what he can do with his legs, but he has been – very inaccurate during uh, the, the second half of the season, especially the last couple of weeks as well, too. And, uh, you know, again, I, I threw out the fun fact there earlier where this, uh, you know, uh, he, he has he is the worst quarterback in uh, sub-freezing temperatures, you know, with uh, as far as accuracy in, in, in wins and losses and that sort of thing. So, again, I've looked at Buffalo so many times this year and thought, okay, here's this Buffalo team. They're going to, you know, after they blasted Houston, like Trevor Maddich said, you know, they're going to, you know, harm their soul. <laughs> but then they come up with these embarrassing performances during the course of the year. They've been better the last few weeks, but here we go. Another team goes into the postseason. We talked about the Bengals earlier, just not used to having that success. Uh, and, and, and this is kind of keeping me off the Buffalo side, but I think that the Buffalo Bills are the better team. And if it wasn't for Bill Belichick, I, I would, you know, I would be all over Buffalo. And then my other fun fact: where rookie quarterbacks, they're 0 and 6. Yeah. You know, 0 and 6 uh, since uh, 2010. The one factor that Josh Allen does bring to this game is, and you mentioned it, is his legs. And if New England, you know, turns their back in coverage, and you know, the play breaks down, he has, you know, a knack of, of tucking the ball and find. And it's, you don't understand how important keeping third and sevens and third and eight drives alive with a play that the defense actually did their job but the quarterback makes a play and that's something that you don't see from you know a tom brady as good as he is uh you know you don't see that with big ben you don't see that you know mac jones 
a couple times has tucked the ball, but he's not a running, you know, quarterback. So those are edges that you got to look at, and that's something that, you know, Arizona with Kyler Murray, you know, he can keep things going. We saw how many times Russell Wilson over his career. That's an intangible that you can't, right. you know, you want to say, hey, we're going to keep a spy, okay, but as the, the course of the game goes and you set up different coverages where you've got a tight end crossing over the middle and he's going to take that spy with him, you know, in coverage or somebody gets picked, either you got the tight end open or you got a running back, you got the quarterback becoming the running back. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts. Yeah. If we're looking at quarterbacks yeah. like that that can extend to play and convert some of those things, you know, going off script, those are a couple that you know you have to look at this weekend. Those are big game changers. You're right. Absolutely. You know, speaking of game changers, uh, you mentioned uh, Alabama, Georgia. Kudos to both of you guys for picking uh, the Georgia Bulldogs last week. Uh, congratulations, and uh, that was a, a crazy wild game uh, as well too. And. Uh, uh, but I'm tired of watching these games on Monday night where I, I, I'm getting these last-second scores. I, I'm done. Okay, That means I guess I can't play this game on Monday because I'm, I'm doomed something yeah, of, of the bizarre happening. Yeah. I get the text from uh, TC Monday night with oh. after the pick six, and I go, hey, you forget that I had Cleveland teasers the Monday before? We both did. <laughs> Remember we talked about it? Yeah. Those two teasers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was sitting fine. I said, okay, Alabama, that's fine. Yeah. You know, they're, they're down one. Oh, yeah. touchdown, eight points. Yeah. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm getting ten, right? I'm totally fine with that. How many it, times did you say go down, go down, go down, go down as he's running? 36. Yeah. <laughs> it's about that because it was he made a couple return. of good moves, and then oh. he was gone. Yeah. Why couldn't he step out of bounds? Yeah. Why couldn't no. he, like, call it, just fall down, and then, oh, well, he can't get back up. You know, it's like, yeah. you know. Get touched by a, a fingernail or something. No, that was brutal. That was brutal. Georgia was ferocious in the fourth quarter. Yeah. That, and that kid, Stenson Bennett, after he threw that, that, that weird pick, by the way, that was a weird play. That would end up being a, a fumble. I'm sorry, it was a fumble. Yeah. A weird yeah. fumble. The guy picks it up and walks out of bounds. That was yeah. a weird play. Yeah. Uh, for him to come back, and I think it was four for four after that and two touchdowns, uh, was pretty amazing. Well, it was a tale of two halves as far as Stenson Bennett goes because he was rattled big time by the Alabama defense in the first half. But se- the second half, he was phenomenal. And, again, I think after completing that long touchdown pass, it just it just got him going. He felt a lot more comfortable. And getting the running game going sure helped yeah. him out yeah. because then, then they couldn't just, just put their ears down and, and go. Right. Crazy stuff. Okay, Marco, Raiders, Bengals, what do you think? Uh, The Raiders, when I look at them, and we've talked about it several times, and I don't want to use this phrase, but they're starting to look like it. Are they a team of destiny? They are. I used the term magical season (laughs) earlier in the show because it's kind of feeling like that, right? This is a team that, you know, what else could go wrong? You can't, you know, I'm waiting for the, when the season's over, if they make a run to the Super Bowl. I mean, we had that movie come out about Kurt Warner, the American underdog. The Raiders got to be what else could go wrong. And, you know, and if they run to the Super Bowl, we got another movie script here. But they're doing everything, finding ways to win games, whether they're ugly wins or not. Now, Sunday's game was not an ugly win. It, it just had tie written all over it. And they, you know... They went for the field goal. That's the only way they could have lost that game. And they, you know, they did the NFL right by, by kicking the field goal. Right. Whether they missed it or, or made well, it, missed it, They did whatever. themselves right, too, by getting yeah. the five seed and, and facing Cincinnati instead of going to KC. But when you talked about why didn't that guy, like, just go down, in, you know, in the the game, same the thing Georgia on, game, on yeah. The, yeah. the Cleveland game yeah. against Pittsburgh. The only way you could possibly lose that game 
is to fumble the football while you're running for right. the other team to get the ball back. The only way the Raiders could have lost is if that field goal was blocked and run back for a touchdown. And could you imagine the narrative after that? They, I mean, if that would have happened. I don't even think they attempted if he doesn't get that next, that, that yards ten before. Yard. Yeah. Yeah, 10 yards, because it's still a 47-yarder. But, right. I mean, Carlson makes that in his sleep. But you go right. over 50, 52, or 53 well, yards. that would have been 57. Think about it. Yeah, it would have been, been 57. 57. I, I don't think you attempt to 57, because right. you got you the tra- trajectory's right. got to be yep. so much lower. Right. But for them in this game, I'm going to root for the Raiders. If you, the old uh, <laughs> saying, if you put a gun to my head, who would I play in a game? I would play the Raiders. Um, we're talking about everybody looked at Cincinnati in that first meeting and how the, they just looked at the final score. It's a little bit misleading if you only look at the final score of that game. But that's what people will look at. And now this one's at home. The first one was, you know, here in Vegas. Um, you also look at the situation. Now we've got an indoor team going outdoors. And, you know, <laughs> weather's not great in Cincinnati this time of the year, okay? Uh, so It'll be a little bit better than Buffalo, but not too much. Yeah, not too much. Uh, definitely better than it would have been in Cle- uh, Cleveland. doesn't have playoff games, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> the uh, situation with Cincinnati is, let's not forget, Joe Burrow is – you know, only one year removed from being a rookie. And he didn't finish last season because of the injury. There's pressure on him to take that next step. I am going to look at what is going to be a contrarian play because when you look at last week's scores with the Raiders and you look at the first game and how many points Cincinnati put up, everybody's going to want to take the over in this game. I'm going to go with the under. In the NFL, wild card round historically has been dominated by unders. In fact, to the tune of 50, 52 and 22, last 74, uh, to the under in the wild card round. Now, this year's a little different because we've got that extra week of the season, uh, and then you've got the extra games. You know, we're getting the extra wild card game this weekend. We'll see if anything changes. But I like this one under. I think what's going to end up happening is because of the weather is going to be one, you're going to come out and, and go with a different game plan. In Jacobs last week, you finally found a running game, and it was working, and that's what you got to do against Cincinnati. You want to keep their offense off the ground. So I think the Raiders are going to come out and try to duplicate that and see if they can get the running game going, which then makes a lot of things work off of play action. You keep drives alive. You move down the field. Maybe you don't get it into the end zone, but that's fine with me if you're chewing clock up. Yeah, Pritchard, uh, you weren't here for the first uh, half hour of the show. He's, he mentioned the same thing. He's not bouncing it out anymore. He's finding an increase, and he's going north-south. Yeah. And that, that made a big difference, especially because he got better as that game went along in overtime. Right. 52 and 22, the unders. You know what that is, Double B? That's a fun fact. That is good. <laughs> that's, a, that's a solid fun fact. <laughs> All right. Uh, Eagles and Buccaneers. Right? Bucks are eight and a half. We know the injuries that they have here. Uh, we mentioned Jalen Hurts being able to extend plays, sat out last week. He's relatively healthy. But when we look at the big picture here, the Eagles, do they belong here in the postseason? I know it's real easy to say, okay, Tampa Bay, defending Super Bowl champs, they're at home, eight and a half. They didn't have this home field advantage last year. They had to win their way on the road You know, the moment the playoffs started, starting in Washington. Do we overthink this thing or – you know, to me, it looks like, okay, we should we should lay this with, with Tampa Bay. And I've been on the Eagles a few times this year, and I, you know, I can appreciate them. But 
still doesn't feel like they should be in the postseason, much like Pittsburgh. Uh, I agree. And but, those teams from Pennsylvania. Yeah, we're just all counterfeit. What can I say? <laughs> uh, but you look at this one, and I am sure if you walk over and talk to your sportsbook manager over there, he's, he probably has a stack of pre-printed teaser bets with Tampa Bay yes. already because yes. there's going to be an onslaught of Tampa Bay teasers. And how can you not? Because you're going to tease them down, get them down under the field goal, and you're asking them just to win the game, basically. And this is a team that only has the one loss at home this season. They've been dominant um, against the spread as well. I think they're 7-1 and one straight up at home, 6-2 and two against the spread. And since Tom Brady's been there, um, they're 12-4 and four against the spread at home. And realize that they're always going to be in an inflated line, and they're getting home. That's like a horse carrying the added weight and still winning the race by five. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Double mm-hmm. B. And it's a situation that they're doing it. But let's not get too excited about Tampa Bay in because they had a big win last week. It was against nobody. And they still are going to have problems moving forward of figuring out who the playmakers are going to be when they need somebody to go downfield. You know, Gronk's going to get his catches and he's going to get his yards, but they're not going to be 40 yards downfield. They're going to have to go down the field in chunks. That's a problem. And Philadelphia, they're playing like the Steelers. They're playing with house money. Nobody expected them to be here. They don't. Ex- nobody expects them to win, so they can go out and play loose. The fact remains, of all the wins that Philadelphia has this year, right? There's not a team with a winning record on on that mm-hmm. resume. I think that the arguably the game of the weekend is the Niners and the Cowboys in Dallas, and we saw how those uh, those Niner fans traveled and took over SoFi Stadium oh, in LA. Like, you know, there is talk that the Niner fans are going to show up in in, in Dallas. That's uh, they'd, well. ra- they'd rather go anywhere than their own stadium. Yeah, absolutely. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> it's an embarrassment. You're right. Yeah. But uh, this this Niner team, and you know, you've heard me talk about them the last few weeks. This is a team that just. Uh, they were more physical than the Rams in every matchup, and they weren't in the in the first half of that game down 17 to three. But in the second half, they came storming back, and then now they got to go to Dallas. If you look at Dallas and the offense they have, and as well as they've played since they've become healthy over the last four or five weeks of the season, if you look at that minus three. It looks pretty juicy if you like Dallas, don't you think? I think it looks too juicy. I because everybody and their mother like last week are on the Niners again, like they were last week against the Rams. I don't think everybody is on the Niners as much this week as they were last week because you've got America's team laying a field goal. I'm sorry if we grabbed 100 people out of the the crowd and asked them, who do you want to take? Do you want Dallas minus three or do you want San Francisco minus three and Dallas is playing at home? The majority is going to take Dallas. Uh, So to me, this line actually looks a little trappy to me. Would you have thought any different if – we would have opened this game up at three and a half with Dallas at three and a half. I mean, you saw what the line was last week uh, against the Rams. They closed at three and a half. Isn't Dallas a better team than the, than the Rams? Uh, you know, offensively, they've been more consistent over the, the course of the season when they've been healthy. Um, so to me, I think it's a trap. I like San Francisco. Another reason that I like San Francisco, this is a team that has had to win four of their last five to get into the playoffs. And what is a tremendous advantage for them is they already played a playoff game. It was last week. 
They had to win that game on the road at the Rams, and they were down 17 nothing. So you've got a team that's already had the playoff experience. If they fall behind, they're not going to push that panic button. They came back from 17 last week. And the one thing you said to open this game up, you said about that phys- how physical they were with the Rams. That's how you beat the Cowboys. The Cowboys are a finesse team. They don't like to get smacked in the mouth. And that's what Shanahan's team is going to bring in this game. Yeah. Looking forward to that, that game big time. Oh, yeah, that game, I mean, that's the premier game of the weekend because you can you can make a really strong case for either side. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cowboys' offense could be clicking. Uh, the Niners really played uh, uh, an inspired second half last week to come back and win that game in overtime. So, uh, it, it, to me, that's this is the game of the weekend. Yeah, no question about it. All right, look forward to that. And that game uh, taking place on Sunday. That is uh, the uh, 12-30 game. Um, no, I'm sorry, 1.30. Yeah, 1.30 on Sunday. All right, we come back. We will give you our best bets, giving you our three best NFL plays, whether they are sides or totals. Trevor Manich is going to join us as well, too. Yeah, that's coming up next. And uh, we'll even talk a little VGK hockey. I've been waiting. We're, 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 I've been waiting. I've been sitting here chomping at the we're, bit. We're going to get you. i got a couple of VGK guys. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back. T.C. Martin Show okay. on a fabulous NFL playoff football. Friday. Hey, this is Robert De Niro, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. It's good. Friday afternoon, the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. No better place to be, as we well know here, inside the sportsbook, powered by William Hill. Great place to watch the games all weekend long as well, too. And, of course, we talk about the the food variety and the options here, all the great restaurants here in the Cosmopolitan. Going to be another fantastic weekend. Double B, what are the entertainment What's the entertainment looking like here at the Chelsea coming up? Well, we're, we we hit a little break here right now. We yep. get into Super Bowl mode. We got some boxing coming up here in the next uh, couple of months. But uh, right now, with uh, Chinese New Year coming up and Su- Super Bowl coming up, we're kind of focused on that. But uh, I, I haven't really even looked at the boxing events. Uh, yeah. Eventually, we have Duran Duran coming and some other uh, uh, fun entertainment. But uh, you know, it kind of takes a backseat to late February. It does. All right. Yeah. And Duran Duran, that's a, that's a repeat because we've seen Duran Duran here before the Cosmopolitan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think they postponed a little bit later into the year. They were supposed to be in February, but they've postponed. Okay. There you go. Kind of like uh, you know playing hockey in in Canada. (laughs) Everything is postponed. Right. This is true. Yeah. All right. Trevor Madge joins us, and we are getting ready for our best bets right now. It's Football Friday, and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. All right, guys. This will be our last week that we do the three games. All right, we go back down to one here as we round out the season. But this is our last shot. I figure there's plenty of options, and we've always done three during the Super Wild Card Weekend. Especially now, we're getting extra games, right? Because uh, with uh, 14 playoff teams. All right, our three best NFL plays for the Wild Card Weekend. Trevor, what's going on, my friend? DC, I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm great. Trevor Match uh, on that uh, marathon call Monday night with uh, ESPN Radio with Georgia and uh, Alabama as well, too. Has your voice uh, subsided? A little? Did you get your voice back a little bit, Trev? Yeah, I've been uh, I've been drinking a, a tincture of honey, peppermint, and steak, and it's worked out really well. So yeah, I should have used that because the last two days I've been doing the the hot tea, the chamomile tea with the uh, with with the honey and the lemon, and uh, slowly but surely it's it's coming back. But it's been a wild week, as as we well know. All right, Trevor, here we go. It's uh, best bet time. Give us your three best NFL plays. All right, 49ers at Cowboys. The 49ers are getting three points. And I am taking the 49ers, and I'm taking the points. 
thing is, Dallas over the course of the season has had uh, really good numbers. They look good if you just sort of look at it in a general season standpoint. But since Dak Prescott came back from injury, the offense hasn't really looked all that good. And now Michael Gallup is out. This has not been the Dallas Cowboys from the first half of the season. And the 49ers, on the other hand, have played their best football down the stretch. Their last 11 games, they're 8-3 and three, straight up and against the spread. And I think that the 49ers' defense will get after Dak. And Dak has not been great. I mean, yeah, they put up 50 points against the Eagles when the Eagles didn't play people, you know, resting for the playoffs. And they put up a bunch of points against Washington, but they're awful. And so I think against the better teams that the Cowboys have played, they've really struggled. The weakest part of the 49ers right now is really the secondary, but with Gallup out and with pressure on Dak, I don't know if they could take advantage of it. And keep in mind, the 49ers sacked uh, Matthew Stafford five times when they played in Week 18. So I think that the 49ers plus three is a good uh, a good bet. All right, Trevor, before ben, you get – hold on. Before you get to yep. your next play, I just have to alert you that we had to bring the paramedics in here because the people at this dais uh, fell over for you giving us an underdog. Yeah, well, you know, this has been this has been the year of the underdog, and I keep on going with favorites that should have the best matchups and every reason to play better than the underdog. And and every other year that's worked exceptionally well. This year I've been hit in the face with that that honey chamomile and steak tea that you've been drinking. There, there you go. Well, nice nice job. Welcome to the uh, 49er faithful bandwagon here. There you go. Uh, yeah, well, I'll tell you what, though. The 49ers... You know, if, if I don't win this one against the spread, taking the points from an underdog, never again am I going to take an underdog. <laughs> so there's a lot of pressure on the 49ers. There you go. All right, brother, give us play number two and three. All right. The next one is uh, Rams against the Cardinals. Rams are laying four. And, of course, I'm taking the Rams. Uh, the Rams, they've been up and down. It's been kind of crazy, right, because of what Matthew Stafford has been this year. I mean, he finished the season with the third most passing yards in the NFL, the second most passing touchdowns, but then he's got 17 interceptions to do. What in the world's the matter with him, right? And so I think coming into this game, though, he will have, uh, I think he'll play his best, and I'm really trusting him to do it. And in a lot of ways, it's uh, it's a real leap of faith there. <laughs> On the other side of the field, though, you've got the, the Rams pressure on Kyler Murray, and I think that's going to be the biggest deal. The last time these guys played in December, Kyler Murray dropped back, was a 46 or 49 times. They pressured him 40 times. They got after Kyler Murray. I mean, they went after him. Now, the Rams have a banged-up secondary. They had to sign former Ram, Eric Weddle, off the street to come in, and some other guys basically coming off a practice squad and off the street in order to make up for injuries. But they do have Jalen Ramsey at corner. And they'll be able to run him all over the field and match up with the hottest receiver that the Cardinals have to put on the field. And with DeAndre Hopkins out, I think that'll be enough for the defense of the Rams to slow down those Cardinals who have been up and down and really a lot of down. Even though they've been good on the road, first half of the season they were awesome. Second half of the season, not so much. They're 1-3 in in the last four games. And I think the Rams, uh, with Matthew Stafford playing clean football, are going to win this game, and I think they're going to cover. And so I'm trusting him to do it. And then uh, New England at Buffalo, the total is 44. And I'm saying under 44. The reason is it's going to be cold, uh, real cold. It's going to be in the teens and maybe even in the single digits. And 
Josh Allen has not been good in the cold. I mean, he's played four games uh, that have been below freezing in his NFL career, and he's not completed more than 56% of his passes. Uh, about 200 yards passing in those games just hasn't been real good. And, you know, we had that weird game, the wind game, earlier in the season where Mac Jones of the Patriots only threw the ball three times. They just ran the ball down Buffalo's throat and won the game. The next game, the rematch, was a high-scoring affair, and Buffalo came out on fire. Josh Allen was terrific. I think this game will be somewhere in between. I don't think that Mac Jones, at quarterback, the way he's played the second half of the season, is anyone that Bill Belichick wants to trust. I think they'll come out and try to run the ball again, try to duplicate that wind, bad weather game up in Buffalo early, and one of two things will happen. Either the running game with the Patriots will work, they'll have long, grinding drives, and not score a whole lot of points because they take too much time off the clock, or the running game won't work. They put the ball into the hands of Mac Jones, and I don't think he's up to this game. I think that Buffalo will be the one that will need to, uh, you know, provide most of the points for that total. And I think that New England isn't going to contribute a whole lot. And so because of all that, and because I just don't trust Mac Jones, I am taking me under in Buffalo. All right. Appreciate it, Trevor Maz. Double B, what do you got? Well, I'll be very brief since we talked about this game at nauseum. I like the Raiders. I like the Raiders. I like the way they're playing on both sides of the ball. And I think they're going to come out and finish this game, play 60 minutes, and uh, run out with a victory. I'm getting six points in the game, so... uh, I like the way they finished the year, and I like the way they're going into this game. Uh, next, I'm going to go with Buffalo. I really like the way they played in that last game against New England. Uh, I, I had listed it at laying three and a half. I see on the board now it's already up to four and a half, so uh, a lot of people are jumping on the Bills bandwagon. I think the home field is going to come into play here, and I think if they get ahead, I don't think there's enough weapons on the New England team to come back. Uh, lastly, I'm going to go with Los Angeles uh, on Monday night football laying the four points against the Cardinals, and exactly the same reason why uh, Trevor said uh, I think they're going to put tremendous pressure on uh, Kyler Murray, and I don't think he's going to be up for the task. Uh, I think they'll force a turnover in some short fields, and, and they'll get to a big lead, and they know what happened last week when they blew that big lead. They're going to not going to take their foot off the gas pedal, and they're going to blow this team out on Monday night. All right, double B. All right, Marco D'Angelo, Mr. We're 35 and 11 sitting here at this table in this sports book. What do you got? Uh, we'll start with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, going to ride with Trevor, man. We're, we're going to get this dog home. And I saved one stat so I, you know, that I didn't give out earlier. This way, if I had to talk myself back into San Francisco, <laughs> I would be prepared. The Dallas Cowboys, the last two seasons, when they have been in a game where it has been plus three to minus three, competitive game, nine times, we're just one in eight against the spread. We're going 49ers. Sunday, I talked about it uh, at depth. The Pittsburgh Steelers can't score in the first half slow starts. I'm going to look for that again on Sunday. I'm going to lay the seven, seven and a half, whichever you can get. First half wager on Kansas City. After that, go Steelers. And uh, the final game, um, opposite you guys, I am on Arizona. And I'm going to say this much about the L.A. Rams. I like Arizona plus the points on Monday. If the Rams get past this game, I actually think they go to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think that if Stafford gets that win, gets that monkey off his back, this is a team that is built to go to the Super Bowl. But this is going to be their toughest game. Right. Okay. 
All right, guys, uh, I'm going to basically go with uh, my three plays here, and these are more go against uh, the opposition than anything else. And I'm going to start with Tampa Bay and Philadelphia. Understand it's a big big number at eight and a half here, but this is a play against Philadelphia. I do not believe this team you know, should be in the playoffs, and the numbers back it up. Philadelphia's last six victories against the Giants, against Washington, against the Jets, against the Saints, Denver and the lowly Detroit Lions. I mean, they had the weakest schedule of just about anybody, and those are their last six wins. I do not see how they're going to be able to compete with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Granted, Tampa Bay has got injuries, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the wide receiving core is pretty depleted, but you know what? Uh, you know Brady's been here before with a depleted wide receiving court. What does he do? He goes to his tight ends. He goes to Cameron Brady. He goes to Rob Gronkowski. Look for that. Maybe uh, even out of the backfield. Uh, Fournette, they say that he is uh, ready to go. Even though he has been banged up, this will be his first game back in the last four weeks. But I, I'm going to lay it with uh, Tampa Bay at home thinking you know that this team can win by double digits against a Philadelphia team that uh, really has uh, some problems on both sides of the ball but uh, you know facing this Tampa Bay Buccaneer team with plenty of experience and especially Tom Brady I'll go with the Bucks. Kansas City and Pittsburgh Marco I, I hate to lay these kind of numbers but I'm going to do it just because of, of Pittsburgh I just you know do not see this team being able to generate enough offense they've really been void offensively even last week's game against Baltimore I mean it was just one ugly football game with both of these teams and if Kansas City jumps out to the lead like you were predicting which I agree that they that they probably should uh, hopefully they will not take their foot off the gas and I'll lay the 12 with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, to me it's it seems like a no-brainer and uh, we know that Kansas City is a different team come uh, December and specifically January. Uh, this is a matchup that really seems to be advantageous for the Chiefs, so I'll lay it with them. And we're going to keep up the favorites role here, and uh, I'm going to go with the Rams and the Cardinals here. I like the Rams. I'll lay the four. You know, I've been on uh, both sides of these games when they played before, both on the winners. First time around, you know, I, I had the Cardinals, had the Rams, um, you know, when they both won uh, on the road. Uh, but this time, I think the Rams are the better football team. I really don't think that. I know that. Arizona has been dreadful. They've lost four of their last five games. Kyler Murray, since he came back from the injury, has not been the same guy. And uh, against that Rams defense uh, that uh, is still uh, can still be very, very stellar, uh, yes, I understand that Murray can get out with his legs, and but uh, I think the Rams are going to you know, know this team pretty well right now. They'll be able to basically curtail that to a certain degree. And, yes, I am banking on Matthew Stafford <laughs> you know, playing a little bit above his head and hopefully not making the mistakes. From a talent perspective, you look at both these teams currently right now, what the Rams have, especially on offense with Cooper Cup, and what they, the weapons they have at wide receiver, and then the defense uh, with Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald and the rest of those guys. I really believe that the Rams are going to be able to shut down the Cardinals once again, and uh, the Rams win at home at SoFi. And we know one thing, Cardinal fans are non-existent, so uh, not going to be a crowd problem there like it was last week with Niner fans invading SoFi. So those are our best bets. Uh, the rest of our crew is up there as well, too. Scott Spritzer, Matthew Holt, uh, the G-Man, Gilby the intern, he's up there. The G-Man's been making a comeback. Have you seen this? I mean, this guy, you talk about a horse race. I mean, this guy definitely, you know, he doesn't mind letting the rest of the field get out there. This guy's just a closer. So you got to be, be aware of the G-Man. He stopped wearing that, that Packers garbage. That's yeah. what, That was the difference. <laughs> That's it, right? Exactly. He went silver and black where he should be. All right. Trevor, we appreciate you, my man. Uh, good luck to you. And we're, I'm rooting with the Niners for you.
Thank you, TC, and I'm proud of you for taking all those heavy favorites, laying all those points. Man. <laughs> I'm following your footsteps, brother. I know it must brother. have hurt, but you know, it's it's when you when you are willing to accept pain like that, you can achieve greatness. Good right. for you, Marco. Isn't the wild card weekend usually the uh, trend towards favorites? Uh, no, the next round is more heavy. The next favorite. round, okay. Yeah. The, the but one about, yeah. one thing that this round does have is if you just pick the winner of the game, you're like 86 percent. If the spread doesn't come into play. So right. if you, the dog either wins outright or the favorite wins in, in a route. So uh, as you get into the playoffs, and normally during the regular season, that's about 82 83%, but it jumps up in the playoffs. All right, looking forward to it this weekend. All right, guys, let's talk a little hockey. Uh, VGK uh, been hitting a little bit of a backward slide. We understand the injuries, the, the COVID has definitely been an issue here. Uh, Double B, what are your thoughts here about the, the Vegas Golden Knights? I thought the uh, it was a lackluster effort against Chicago, but I thought they played an unbelievably great game against Toronto. Completely undermanned. They had to go get everybody from Henderson to come out. Yep. Uh, they played uh, really a great game the entire week. The bounces went completely Toronto's way. Uh, there's something just shot off the backboard right to somebody right to uh, somebody in front, and then uh, Nylander had the first uh, nice goal. But Matthews, the puck kind of dribbled to him and he put it in. They're down three-one in that game to Toronto, arguably the best team in the league, who's only missing uh, Mitch Marner. And they come back and scrap by and get two goals, force overtime, lose three or one to zero in the shootout. Yeah. What a! It was an awesome game for them to get a point, and now they got a couple of days off to rest because. You're not playing in Calgary. You're not playing in, in, in Edmonton and get ready for Pittsburgh on Monday, and maybe they're a little healthier. Uh, exciting news to see Eichel uh, yeah. skating. It's exciting to see this team now kind of taking shape. There are COVID issues all over the league. I know you watched the Jets game as I did last night, and they, they had virtually the same problem. They got guys coming off a, off a bus. Uh, that played for the Moose the yeah. night before. <laughs> Two players, yeah. one guy that first assist. Yeah. I'm like, who's this guy, Sandberg? Yeah. He's out there, and he looked pretty good. Yeah, this uh, but it's and, and it was it's it's you're going to really rely on your minors yeah. leagues team all across the league. Hopefully, they get overcome this. You know, come February with this little break, uh, the Canadian teams are up against it though. They're postponing games and postponing games and postponing games that are supposed to be played up there. They're going to have to make up a lot of games. They're going to have to play a ton of games in February and then sprinkle through the rest. They're going to have a lot of back-to-backs in three out of four games. So uh, it's going to to hurt them. So you may want to look to not bet the Canadian teams uh, come playoff time. However, I really like this VGK team and the heart they showed and bouncing back the way they did against Toronto, and I can't wait to be there defending the fortress come Monday against Pittsburgh. There you go. Looking forward to that. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a minute, but just to your point there, four AHL guys, you know, we're on the on the ice, uh, uh, you know, against the the, uh, the Maple Leafs uh, the other night, and, and you're right, for the Golden Knights to get a point out of that, uh, pretty good. And as far as Eichel goes, Eichel at practice today doing a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of two-on-two stuff today. He looked fantastic from everything that I heard today. Eichel's there. He, he wants to get on the ice sooner than later. This guy, he's he's ready to go, and I think Golden Knights fans, can they're going to really enjoy watching Eichel play. I'm going to tell you this, TC. The, 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 we'll have the best three lines in the league depth-wise. Yeah. Uh, and then on your fourth line, you've got probably, I don't know, uh, Colasar and Carrier and maybe Wah. I mean, or, or Wah's on the third line. They've got all these great players that are playing now or getting all this experience. They're auditioning for like one spot. If everybody's healthy, right. I mean, it's it's it, we it's still Martinez isn't even playing. Mm-hmm. So uh, and, and Hague's out, and Pacioretty's out. I mean, there's just a lot, there's a lot to be excited about with this team in the second half of the season. 
if they get healthy. Yeah, and I think a lot of people look at this Golden Knights team and they see, you know, with, with uh, a lot of losses now, and you hear a lot of the national media saying, oh, this team is like the, the 11th or 12th best team. I mean, that is just nonsense. Like you said, there's a lot of talent on this team, and once they get healthy, uh, they're going to be fine. When when they're rolling the, the top two lines like they have now, yeah. they're, they're you, you just, it's it's very, very difficult. When you got Waugh on that third line, I mean, he's playing great, great hockey. Uh, and you surround him with, with, with some more talent. What if Dodonov is down on the third line with Wah? Give me a break. That, that, that team's wicked. Just don't overreact when everybody gets back on the ice, and especially Eichel, because there'll be a they got a gel. Oh, yeah. Everybody, nobody's played with each other yet. So I think there'll be a learning curve for a week, week and a half. Then, then you're going to see the role. I mean, what if you got the Misfit line, the Stevenson line, and then you put Eichel on the third line with Dodonov and frickin and Wah? Yeah. I mean, then, then your fourth line's just going to go out and bang. It's going it's to be awesome. So here's what I want to know. Monday night, we got the uh, Penguins coming to town. Are you and Marco got a little side bet on this one or what? Marco, yeah, whatever he wants. <laughs> I uh, I drive my wife crazy that that game because I will be wearing my Sidney Crosby jersey that night. Uh, so I don't know if I'll get my usual fist pump going by the two five five or two two five. That's right. I'll give it to him though. Yeah, I respect it. Look, I, I got Jets on all the time, so you know that. I still record the Jets game, so you know. I'm, I'm, but listen, I respect. Uh, everybody had a team before this, and you still root for them. But uh, VGK is now deep deeply embedded in their hearts and their their souls here in Las Vegas. All right, great VGK talk uh, here with Double B, Marco D'Angelo. All right, to Double B, real quick, I just sent you a uh, text. And uh, breaking news, Chip Kelly signs a four-year contract extension with the Bruins. Thoughts? Well, you know what? He deserves it. Uh, they, they've been growing. This is his fourth year there, and uh, it's good to see stability. It's good to see a, a coach that people had rumored that he was going to just scamper back somewhere either to the pros. And then, of course, the thought was Oregon, and Oregon made that terrible hire. So uh, uh, I think it's the right move, and it, it helps them look to when it comes to long-term recruiting, when you're going up against a real formidable threat now across the, the street and the bad part of L.A. <laughs> Those dreaded colors. Those other, the other way, the other side. Of, but, I mean, they, they, Lincoln Kennedy or Lincoln Riley is a, a great coach. So uh, uh, it's going to be great, and hopefully they will have a good ride for the next four years because we know the Pac-12, or which we used to be the Pac-10 and the Pac-8, mm-hmm. is significantly better when SC right. and uh, UCLA are Absolutely. All right, guys, uh, before we go, we gave our best bets. If you had to pick one, what's your best play on the wild card weekend? It was San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> it was San Francisco. <laughs> Trevor Jinx, that's what you're calling. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. My best bet would be the Bills. I think that uh, I don't think that the quarterback from Alabama is ready to to take that next step, and uh, everybody's overplaying Belichick in this game because I think the Bills whacked them last time, and they're going to repeat that that on this time. And the Bills were the team to come out of the AFC. Everybody bell the Bills, the Bills, yeah. the Bills, Bills, and then they were not so great during the year. But now they've kind of corrected the ship, and they get a home game here. That moth, the Bills mafia is going to be ready to go. So right. as you like to say. Go, go. Go, Buffalo. go, Buffalo. Go, go, Buffalo. <laughs> and uh, I'm actually on Buffalo. I'm actually on, uh, on, on Buffalo on the money line on this thing. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm a little scared with that. Yeah, I like the Rams. I, the Rams, I think, is, is, is the play for me that uh, uh, I think they'll take care of business. And, you know, sorry, Marco, but the Chiefs should blow out the Steelers. Right? They should. I, I mean, I'm Who's not going <laughs> to. I don't have rose-colored glasses. I know I what it is. I know. All right. <laughs> 
All right, I want to thank Nubchuck back in the studio and, of course, uh, the G-Man for making it all happen here. Double B, our gracious host, my man, Marco D'Angelo, Dr. Christina Madison, Mike Pritchard joined us in the first hour. All of that up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. If you want to, if you miss any part of the show, you know where to go. That's where you find all of it. Our best bets are up there. And uh, our interview with Kevin Kruger, the UNLV basketball coach from a couple days ago, thought that was very uh, good, very revealing by Kevin Kruger saying, hey, this is my first year. You know, I'm still uh, I'm still learning here. So good stuff. Go listen to that interview as well, too. All right, guys, have a great weekend. We're looking forward to it. And, uh, yeah, Boulder City, that's what you are going to say, weren't you? TC, we're going to see each other all day on Sunday. Yeah, that's it, all day. We, we got the traditional routine of nonstop football, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and NFL playoffs. That's right. Miss any part of the show, you know where to go. We'll catch you Monday at 2.